0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Friday's coffee talk from Planet Fair. I'm Henrik von Platten, and I'm talking with my friend. who has coffee this time around. This is good. That's very good. <laughs> we are supposed to have coffee while we talk, but I know that we sometimes... Uh, don't, but that doesn't matter. So we are enjoying our coffee and Margaret today. Um, I had a discussion uh, last week which led me to a question that I would like to discuss with you. And it it was concerning, um, like when you have big organizations in 50 countries or 100 countries, whatever, really big ones in many countries, no matter of the size of employees, but the different um, organizational entities, they often start building like a model of the pieces and variables of the of the things that they value from employees on a global level and find out that maybe there are cultural differences in some countries and that that model has to vary depending on the um, country where they are and the question the 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 sort of start-off question for our discussion would be what would be a fair way to let those differences actually happen yeah i mean i think
1: I think we see it almost always, um, that when we have global organizations that are running a global pay equity study, they typically minimally are nuances, but sometimes big differences between how pay decisions are made in different countries or different regions. So maybe I can just speak to um, a couple of different ways that I've seen organizations do this. So it has been anything from mandating an approach, meaning here are the factors that we are going to account for. And then, you know, have everybody run the same pay equity model based on those factors. I would say that's probably the most unusual. Um, So there are pros and cons, right? So Yes, it's not very common, but what you get then is a consistent measurement for every single country. What you don't get then, is a model that will help, or is the resulting model is not optimal for supporting um, the, the decision making that needs to happen to close the pickup. Because you have mandated a very broad model that is perhaps too broad to understand, okay, These are the specific employees that I need to raise the salary of to close um, these gaps. So then what you have is, yes, you have a uniform measurement. You can um, talk about, you know, this is our pay gap across the globe, consistent. Everything is beautiful, um, but it makes it a little bit harder to act on. So, you know, local organizations then perhaps have their secondary model that is more nuanced takes more into account the details that matter uh, in that location to then support decisions about uh, closing these gaps but then there might be a mismatch between the global model and the local model etc so that's the downside Um, another approach that i have seen is that organizations say these are our principles your model should at least include a b and c and then you're allowed to add, but you don't have to these additional factors that we have decided that are fair, um, if you apply them in a consistent manner, and if it's applicable to you or applicable to you, you can use them. So almost like there's a global cohesion, but a little bit of local um, kind of sensitivities and I see this is probably the most common approach I see with global companies because there's always nuances. Between different locations, so I know you uh, spent a lot of time in Germany. You know there, there's a lot of union contracts. Uh, in Spain, there's a lot of local contract uh, contracts, and then even it can be that the pay philosophy is even not consistent across the organization. So they might have units where they pay for performance. They might have other units where they don't pay for performance, right? Or you know, there might have. Um, whether it's because of uh, union contracts or other reasons, experience within the organization matters a lot in one subsidiary but not the other. So then you need these models to be able to kind of adapt to these local differences to maximize their utility. Because I'm a strong mm-hmm. believer that it's not just about the measurement. It's really about building a model that can support our decision-making going forward. So A, we close these gaps, and B, we make sure that they don't come back. And I would say that's the most common approach. And then, you know, the third approach would be free-for-all. <laughs> I have not seen that implemented, where well, kind of each uh, entity does their own thing and then we aggregate up. That would be the most unusual, I would say.
0: Yeah, I, I like the one, but that's also something that I see and I think it's uh, sort of the right thing. You. No matter how big or how or how dispersed you are, country-wise, you still probably have some kind of main culture in a way that is the way that your company ticks and uh, the, certain things are just sort of fixed in a way but then you allow for local differences and that's sort of a part of the percentage of the whole culture and that's sort of the local culture but what i came up the other day is probably one where you say it's sort of the least one and that was sort of a bit surprising and i'm not yet sure how the outcome will be they are so they call themselves Agile, I've heard that often. You, agile, whatever that might mean, it it sounds to me a bit like uh, free floating. Everybody does what they like. There is no real rules. The rules are sort of in the teams. And then um, with like, if you have like, let's say in this example, nine hundred employees, and out of that, uh, seventy different uh, groups. So seventy people that actually make decisions in a team on the salaries but this is an entity of another huge big entity so whatever they will do which is hard for them to figure out now how they're going to do it anyhow but still they will never fulfill sort of the main culture of the big group they will be like an, like let's say like a paradise bird (laughs) in a way, in the big one, and have to be somehow aggregated in there. So, from what you just said, this would be one of number three, I would say. The third very seldomly used one. And still the open question, how agile can you be um, and still have a methodology, let's say, this way?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to use the word agile in the context of pay equity. Um, I, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, then at the end of the day, it's about do we pay fairly. So if they can express and measure that they are paying equitably within their teams, across their teams, uh, independent of any demographic variables, I have nothing against it. <laughs> right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's about asking the question are there systematic biases and if the answer is no then I don't mind you know then we can call it and put whatever label on it that we want so as long as you know things are measured and um and then corrected if need be then yeah Yeah. actually it is yeah (laughs)
0: I will find out more about that one. I'm, I'm sure it's a very interesting conversation that I had. But but thank you a lot. Um, I'm looking at the time, and we are sort of going for our heading, heading for eight minutes. Yes. Is there any anything else you're coming up with, or should we just sort of finish off with a coffee and say, well, the big ones have their cultures, and the small ones. Um, we come around next time. I think we talked about small ones once already, but I would like to have another discussion about the small companies as well, which is very special as well. That sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Then have a great coffee and bye. Thank you.
1: Time. Yes. Bye bye.